Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to Puro Politics, the political podcast of the San Antonio Express News. My name is Gilbert Garcia, Metro columnist, and I'm joined by business editor Greg Jefferson. Investigative reporter Brian Chasnoff. Columnist editorial writer Kerry Clack. And we're going to talk with you today about um, your uh, your property tax appraisals. Um, if you, I hope, hopefully you all have, everybody's had a chance to, a little time to recover from the, the sticker shock that we've, most of us have experienced. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, Governor Greg Abbott's enhanced inspection policy at the border, which uh, has apparently come to an end, but uh, resulted in a lot of lost produce and we'll probably uh, we'll probably see higher prices at the stores and uh, certainly supply chain problems that were exacerbated by that. I, I wanted to talk first though a little bit about uh, former state Senator Leticia Vandepute. Um, as many of you know, she was uh, involved in a horrific accident in Orlando, Florida. A couple of weeks ago, she was uh, walking across a crosswalk and uh, was hit by a driver, um, suffered multiple broken bones, severe injuries, uh, has been returned to San Antonio and is in the hospital here. Uh, and uh, I had a chance to visit with her the other day. She's out of ICU. She's getting uh, really good care. She's um, doing, I think, remarkably well. She is, uh, she's, um, you know, very animated, very sharp, was talking a lot about, you know, what she had experienced there. Um, the day that I went to visit, she had uh, just uh, been able to get out of uh, get out of bed and uh, move around a little bit in her hospital room uh, with the aid of a walker. And I think she's, you know, I think she's in a situation where um, she's not pending with any surgery. I think it's just a matter of like time, um, you know, doing its healing. And um, she's she will, you know, she will end up probably in a rehabilitation center, um, you know fairly soon where she can, you know, really concentrate on being able to, to get to where she can, she can walk uh, again. She, she talked about the experience of, of, uh, the accident. Um, and apparently the driver was, you know, had been looking down, was, had been distracted and, and tried to stop at the last minute and it couldn't uh, in time. And, uh, was, he was, she said he was very, very distraught and he was sobbing. Um, but what was interesting, she was, that she said that when she, landed, I guess when she was in midair, she said everything happened kind of in slow motion and she was, she was in midair. She kind of had the presence of mind to kind of put her hands or, uh, her, you know, lift her arms and kind of try to shield her head somewhat. But she said when she landed, it felt like she landed on pillows. She felt no pain at all. Um, that it was not, it, mm. it was a, a very strange thing, but, um, I think she said when the, uh, the ambulances were you know, starting to arrive right at the point that the pain really kind of kicked in, but there was initially this sort of feeling of like her senses were very heightened and she didn't really feel any pain. And it was just kind of, um, I, you know, I guess it's it, these, uh, what the body experiences in these, these moments is, is, it's, uh, it's really kind of a hard thing to explain, but she was, was doing, she was in very good spirits and, um, I just wanted to pass that along. Cause I know that a lot of, uh, express news readers, uh, have, you know, 
been concerned and, and, uh, and definitely she's gone through a lot and will continue to go through a lot, but is, I think is doing well. And, um, and hope we just continue to hope that, uh, you know, she's able to continue with that recovery. Um, I wanted to, uh, to talk a little bit about property taxes and Greg, I'm going to start with you because you've, uh, you and your business team have done a lot on, on this issue. Uh, most people have got their, their appraisals in the past week or so. And I mean, I think what the average, uh, valuation increase is what about 23% for Bear County. It's just, it's really outrageous. I mean, what, what is, what, what is driving this? I mean, what are, what are the market forces that are, that are making this happen? Well, a large part of it is the fact that you have uh, a growing uh, population in San Antonio. And guess what? A lot of the people who are moving here want to want to live in houses. Uh, so there's a really heightened demand for housing in San Antonio. The problem is uh, the actual construction of houses has, has lagged for years. Uh, developers are starting to get over that. They're you know building ever more houses. But right now we're in this crunch where um, demand is pretty far exceeding the supply of housing, which is driving up prices. And part of what your property appraisal is based on is recent sales in your neighborhood. So if you know you see that that uh, the home next door that's for sale got bought for a crazy amount of money, that's going to affect your property appraisal. So and that's probably the main factor behind these increases. These are really substantial. I mean, this is, you know, this is unprecedented. And that's according to Michael Amosquito, who's the, the county's chief appraiser. I think one of the things that drives people a little bit crazy is, that, as you say, that they're, they're working on sort of, uh, you know, some se- sense of where things are going with the market, what's happening in your neighborhood. But, you know, you'll have people say, well, you know, I've got, uh, you know, I've got a hole in my roof. I've got a, like a you know, plastic covering this hole in my roof. I've got, right. I've got, or I've got my, the, in, the interior of my house is, you know, is, 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 is a, is a disaster area. And that's not, that's not really, I, and I guess there's appeal, uh, you know, a protest process that people can go through, but, but these, these factors are, are not really going to come into play when they make that first appraisal. Right. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's what drives a lot of people crazy. I mean, you want homeowners to invest in their homes. I mean, you know, you, you would hope that everybody has money set aside for, home repairs. And if they want an addition, they'll be able to cover that. But, you know, the fact is a lot of homeowners, uh, you know, they they have kind of a minimal level of, of maintenance uh, that they do. And to them, it's, it's just grossly unfair that their property value is going up because of sales, you know, yeah. a, you know, a block away. Uh, and it is, <laughs> you know, that's that's unfair. I mean, that's not the only factor uh, the Bear Appraisal District looks at. But like I said, it's the main one. Uh, they also look at, you know, obviously uh, the the Appraisal District doesn't send inspectors to every house sure. in Bear County to see if you've done any kind. But I mean, they do they do check uh, construction permits with the city. And they can tell if, you know, if you've added, you know, if you've put on an extra room in your house or made some kind of major right. renovation. Obvious improvement that. like that. That too yeah. will factor into your present. Yeah. Carrie and Brian, I guess I'll start with you, Carrie. I mean, and you don't have to mention the exact uh, figure if you don't want to, as far as the the uh, the increase in the in the, the valuation. But I'm just curious, like what, uh, what your reactions were when you got your, when you got this uh, notice in the mail recently. Well, for me, I... I, I I sold my home a few years ago, so I, I now rent. So, <laughs> but yeah, I'll let Brian answer the question. I have a question yeah. for Greg. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, for me, what's, what's interesting is that we, we literally just bought our house in uh-huh. December mm-hmm. and the appraisal was, we still got the, you know, 20 plus percent higher value wow. over what That's we amazing. just paid for it. <laughs> so which should hopefully in theory make my protest easier. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, my my home appraisal went up uh 26%, but I can't say that I'm I'm really surprised by that. Yeah. I mean, I'm appalled, but not really surprised. I mean, we live uh, kind of in the close to the uh South Texas Medical Center. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've got a lot of um a lot of properties that are being acquired by by flippers and by out of town investors and being turned into rentals for you know medical stu- students, nursing students, that kind of thing. So it's it's not a surprise, but it's <laughs> it was still kind of a punch to the gut. Yeah. Well, I think what adds to this also is is just the the sense of powerlessness that people have about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it was good in, in in the story of the weekend when Michael you know, encourages people to 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 protest, but mm-hmm. ultimately, what can I mean? I mean, they're tied to they're tied to school districts, and so right. ultimately, what can be done by the state in the state legislature? Is I mean, the ultimate answer is a state income tax. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it all flows back to that. I mean, uh, you know, so the the tax it's the nonprofit uh, tax foundation has Texas at having the third highest property tax burden in the nation. And it, it simply goes back to not having uh, a state income tax to help pay for public schools. And if you look at your, you know, if you look at your appraisal, there's, uh, there's a section that, you know, it's basically an estimate, an estimated tax bill. And you kind of look down, you can look through the, a breakdown of uh, the various taxing entities that are going to be, you know, billing you. Mm-hmm. And uh, school districts are always far and away the largest uh, line item in that billing estimate. And that's because that's that's primarily how they're funded. Yeah. You know, I mean, the states, uh, in most states with a state income tax, that's how schools mainly get paid for. And in Texas, it's through property tax. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, the school, the school district part of it is probably about probably about 50% or close to that for most people's uh, bills. I think one thing that there that I want to mention for for people listening is that um, if you don't, if you're a homeowner, you if you're not uh, if you're not filed for for a homestead exemption for your principal residence, this is something you, you know you should do. It gives you a, a chance to to knock twenty five thousand dollars off of your your school district taxes, which, as we said, is, is pr- probably going to be roughly half of, of what your uh, your, your taxes would be. So that will, that will bring down the, the taxable value of your home by $25,000. There's also, um, you know, state law allows you, if you have a homestead exemption and you had a homestead exemption in place the previous year, um, there's, I, I believe a 10% cap on the increase in valuation that can happen. Now that's still a lot. That's still, and for people who are already struggling mm-hmm. to pay their property tax, that's still a lot. But if you had that in place, now a lot of people haven't you know applied for uh, homestead exemptions or didn't have one in place last year so they're, they're not going to be eligible but um but if you if you are able to do that you know that puts some kind of cap um on on the increase that you're likely to look at we also know that that in 2019, uh, 2019 when the state legislature tried to uh address 
you know, the, the, the problems with public school funding and the fact that the state wasn't really uh, doing its share. Part of that was that they instituted a 3.5% cap for local governments uh, when it came to the increase in property tax revenue from year to year. So, um, you know, in, in San Antonio, that's going to mean because of just the the tremendous increase in property uh, values here, we're going to see the, the the city council, for example, they're going to lower the tax rate this year because yeah, they're going to have to, because if the, if you exceed the 3.5%, uh, that tri- that will that would trigger an election. So they're, that, that, they're going to have to work with that. I think there's also talk about increasing the city homestead exemption, which is currently $5,000. So there are things in, in, in place that can, that can make ease the burden, but it's still a really scary thing. And I think a lot of people, certainly people I know in San Antonio, people in Austin, mm-hmm. you know, there's that feeling of like, I'm mm-hmm. just going to get taxed out of my home. And I, I, mean, I don't know if I, I, maybe the solution is just because the, it's, you know, I've, I've seen people say, well, why are people complaining? You know, your, your value of your home is going up. Well, that's great if you want, if you're interested in selling it. And certainly if you're a home flipper from out of state, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a great, it's a great situation. But a lot of people are not thinking about selling their homes. They were they wanting to stay in their homes for, you know, for the rest of their life mm-hmm. or for the foreseeable future. And so they're not, they're not benefiting from that big increase mm-hmm. in market value. So, um, but right. You know, I, I mean, I, I so I guess, Greg, my question is, you know, the one of the things that I that I have heard people say, and I think you'd have a much better understanding of this, is um, a frustration that people have locally. Well, they'll say the city has given so many incentives to developers, and we've we've had so much development. As you say, we haven't really built enough housing, and that's a problem. But there's been a lot of development. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sort of driven market values up all around um, the city, and. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're paying the price for it. I mean, is, do you think there's anything to that at all? Uh, there is. There is. I mean, if you look at uh, the, it, the, it gets tricky in that uh, a lot of the incentives that you saw kind of flowing out of the decade of downtown, uh, a lot of that has to do with multifamily housing. Right. Right. Uh, so we're talking about a yeah, a, a lot of a lot of what we're talking about are apartment units and not necessarily homes, but I mean, those feed into the demand for housing. I mean, you know, you, you start setting up, you know, you build a lot of, uh, apartment buildings around the Pearl, for example, that will, you know, that that's, that's kind of the epicenter, but flowing mm-hmm. out from there, you have increased housing demand in those nearby neighborhoods. It yeah. becomes a very kind of cool place to live and you, you want to own a home there. Um, and that's, that's, you know, the, the multifamily part of it, which is mainly what's being, or had been incentivized by the city that does feed into demand for nearby housing in, in close by neighborhoods. Yeah. Well, um, we're going to, I think we're going to see our, again, our local governments respond, um, to some degree and it, it, it's not going to be enough for people, but we're going to, I think we'll, um, there will be some effort to try to ease the burden somewhat. And I think that, that there's, we had uh, four uh, state legislators from San Antonio um, who uh, did a forum with uh, Evan Smith from the Texas Tribune this past week. And when they were asked, well, what do you expect to see in the 2023 legislative session? Um, one of the things they talked about was like, you know, foster care, the foster care system we're working on and trying to improve that. But the other thing that they all talked about was property tax reform. So I, I don't think there's much doubt that that's going to be addressed um, in some way in the, in the coming year. And Gil, uh, Gilbert, you know, I, and I'm just wondering, and just, just, you know, for all the talk of, you know, I live in a neighborhood, Denver Heights near downtown, which, you know, 
the G words often thrown around uh, gentrification. But right. I actually think that that you know something like this, with regards to the ability to to pay these taxes, and if you know if a, if a if a home which mm-hmm. is passed down from a parent or grandparent to a child or grandchild, and they're not able to 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 pay the taxes and afford the house. To me, that seems like that that actually precedes the problem of gentrification when it comes to people who have been long stead uh, mm-hmm. members of a neighborhood having to move out. I'm just, yeah, I th- just, that's just, right. just a thought that came to mind. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think part of it is you've had people moving in, but I think it's also you've had um, in in parts of the city where you've had families that have been there for generations, you've had people being forced to move out. And the question is, if yeah. someone's forced to move out of a community because they can't handle the the taxes they're doing, where are they going to go? I mean, what 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 other what are uh, yeah. are you going to buy something else that's going to be ridiculously expensive because everything is ridiculously expensive now. So your options are really limited. I mean, I've heard people saying, I'm going to move out of Austin or I'm going to move out of San Antonio, or even, even some people say I'm going to move out of Texas. But really, if, if you're going to be in a, if you're going to stay in the same community where you live and you have to sell your property, there's not a good option. I don't think, I mean, Greg, you might see it. You might have a better take on that, but I mean, it seems like if you're going to stay in San Antonio, you want to sell your house because of the property taxes. What are your options, really? Yeah, yeah. Where are you going to go? Yeah. <laughs> Buy a more expensive house. I mean, no, yeah. there really are great options. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wanted to talk about uh, Governor Greg Abbott and uh, his response to um, President Biden's plan to lift Title Forty Two. And Title Forty Two is a federal public health uh, policy which uh, was used by uh, former President Donald Trump, and it was a controversial use of it um, in the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic to say, because we have a public health crisis, we are going to shut down asylum requests at the Southern border. Um, And many people questioned whether this was really the proper application for a public health this public health order, but it has been in place. Joe Biden has kept it in place since he, uh, he took over uh, 15 months ago, but he is, there's the talk that in next month, this will be lifted. And it's, it's obviously the Republicans are, are concerned about it because you know, that we have had a lot of you know, migrants coming to the border. And there's the thought that this is going, that's going to increase tremendously um, with the knowledge that the title 42 is no longer being used. So uh, Greg Abbott, uh, one of his responses to this was to uh, deploy state troopers to the border and have them do uh, these inspections on commercial trucks trying to come across the border. Um, And it's resulted in fruit and vegetables rotting, an estimated $240 million lost in um, economic loss from, from this policy that was put in place. And uh, by the end of the week, he had uh, suspended it and said he had reached agreements with the border governors from Mexico that they were going to step up their end of uh, handling border security. And he claimed victory. And, and I, I think in a statement that he put out um, the other day, he uh, I think this was uh, Saturday, he said, in the past two days alone, I've done more than uh, what the Biden administration has done in the past 15 months <laughs> on border security. So- Look, I think this was something that, uh, and Carrie, you had a you had a really 
good tweet about this because Sid Miller, a, the Republican uh, agriculture commissioner who uh, has never been accused of being the voice of reason in this state, um, said in response to this inspection policy that Greg Abbott had, was, uh, had instituted, he said this was political theater. I, I was Greg Abbott will say and has said that what he did and uh, was you know, to put, put pressure on Mexican governors. And he's now claiming victory on this, but Carrie, I'm, I'm interested in, in what you think, what you think he was, he was really trying to do. I mean, that this is what he, he's kind of saying was his objective and it's possible that it was, but what, what's your take on it? We all know what he was trying to do, except this time it was, it was, it was, it's not only more obvious, but it, it, uh, it inconvenienced and hurt more people. He was playing politics. He was looking towards 2024. Um, <laughs> the whole thing with getting the the Mexican governors, kind of, you know, during the Montgomery bus boycott, there came a point when the city of Montgomery found found two or, two or three black rural preachers out there in the country no one had ever heard of and, and claimed to have negotiated a deal with them. And thus, you know, the city had won. That's what this sounds like. And when you have you know, Sid Miller, I mean, yeah. the man who the agricultural commissioner whose first act in office was to was to give amnesty to, to cupcakes. When you have a majority of Texans yeah. say, yo, I'm going to ride with Sid Miller on this because he makes a lot more sense than the governor of Texas. That tells you everything you need to know about what's wrong with your policy. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's that, that is a that is a great point. I think it's also it's always worth pointing out that these inspections, I mean, they weren't these weren't thorough uh, vehicle expect, inspections like he was checking the brake lights <laughs> and the brakes. I mean, he's not rooting around looking for human beings. I think, is, I think we should probably point that out. It's that's not quite that's comprehensive immigration yeah. reform, I don't think. Uh, but that's right. yeah. yeah, that's right. That's now, right. Did, didn't he try to frame it as he's putting pressure on yeah. the Mexican officials to yeah. that's right. That's, that's what he's, do you think, I mean, and this thing, this thing ended after a few days, but it, it there was a lot of economic loss. Uh, a lot of, I mean, they're, they're business people in, in, in this state who are upset about this um, as well as people on, on, on the Mexican side. And we're going to see, you know, we're going to see it's added to the supply chain problems. We're going to see higher prices uh, for produce in the stores. Uh, but I mean, it, it was, a, it was a, over pretty fast and he's claiming victory. Brian, do you think there's going to be any sort of political fallout for Greg Abbott? I mean, will there be any, any, um, any backlash against him over this thing? I don't know. I mean, it, it kind of reminds me of the debacle here with Broadway in some ways. I mean, you had the right. business community turn against him on that as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm referencing when he, he came in and, and at the 11th hour stopped the city from redeveloping Broadway, uh, you know, the bond project that voters had approved here. And you had, mm-hmm. you had plenty of business owners in, in San Antonio who were quite upset about that decision uh, yeah. that was stemming directly from the governor's office. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, so he, he doesn't seem to be afraid to, to uh, you know, counter the business interests. Uh, it remains to be seen whether or not that's that's going to cost him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think if if he should if he should lose in November, we'll look back on 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 this yeah. because what he's doing 
it's kind of like with, with, with the grid is that he's, he's widening the field in which Beto can play on mm-hmm. because this gets Beto away from any kind of, uh, any of the cultural issues. It gets Beto away from, from the gun issues, from other issues of the border and allows him to play to something that everyone can relate to is mm-hmm. higher prices, uh, scarcity of, of, of products because your governor was playing politics at the border. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you just, what was it, the, the Lyceum poll we just had a week or two ago where it's like mm-hmm. a, Basically, it's a statistical heat, and I think it's it's things like this that that is it could cost Abbott. I mean, I wouldn't bet against him losing, but yeah, it just seems like it's something like this could you could see where it it plays into what people think about when they go to the polls in November. It's clearly an unforced error there, and I think, I mean, regardless of what how he's framing this, which is I, I planned this all along to go the way it did so that I could I could get the Mexican governors to 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 make these grants. <laughs> I, I think I think one, he either did not really fully take into account the the economic impact of this and you know all the produce that would be lost, or he figured if if this we have this kind of disaster happen, I can just say, well, it's Joe Biden. He's he failed on the border and look look what he made us do. So this is really his fault. Or or you know, or the the idea too that um Republicans have uh you know framed the inflation and supply chain problems as being Joe Biden's fault. I mean, they talk about Biden inflation. And so any, anything that sort of get adds to that, any, uh, this is just going to get, get, get absorbed in the inflation that we're already seeing and that they'll just say, so if inflation goes up, ultimately they're going to tag it on Biden. I mean, people, some people will remember that you know, part of it had to do with what was going on at the border, but in general, people say, Oh, inflation, Joe Biden. And so, um, so I think that that might have been the calculation that that he made. You know, I, I one of the things that I wanted to mention, and uh, I was in the Valley over the weekend. I was reading the McAllen Monitor and their their coverage of this and his agreement with the the governor of Tamaulipas, uh, Mexico, which is that state uh, borders quite a bit of the the Rio Grande Valley. And you know, the, one of the things that, that that they talked about Biden and the the governor apparently agreed to was that uh, Mexico. Uh, and the state of Tamaulipas would would do uh, would enhance their security when it came to migrants trying to make it through like low water crossings. And one of the things that struck me about this is that a lot of what Biden is, is what uh, Abbott is doing now is in response to the lifting of Title Forty Two. And when it gets discussed, there's a lot of talk. Uh, I saw Tony Gonzalez, the congressman, on on. Uh, Fox the other day, and he was he was they were asking him about it, and and the the person who framed the question about about the immigration policies in Title Forty Two was talking about you know illegal use the term illegal migrants, but you know really Title Forty Two is not dealing with something with Ill, illegal activity. It's uh, it's dealing with the legal right to apply for asylum. It's it was it basically blocked mm-hmm. people from following what is a legal process, which is to come to the border. And turn yourself in and say, I want to seek asylum. Now, granted, the number of, of people who have been doing that in recent years uh, has often been, you know, it's, a, it's challenging for border areas. And we and that there's no doubt about that. But it's a legal process. And so when Greg Abbott is, is saying, you know, my response to the lifting of Title 42 is to let's, we're going to inspect trucks at the border. Well, you, you're, you're talking about people trying to sneak across the border. Ill- illegally, which Title Forty Two doesn't address that. These are people saying, 
I, I'm showing up, I'm turning myself in, I'm not sneaking across, I want to apply for asylum. And they have the legal right to do that. And uh, so again, the low water crossings thing with the, the, the governor of Tamaulipas, that's, that's not really a Title 42 thing at all. That doesn't, that doesn't have anything to do with Title 42. And so I, I get, that's one of the frustrations I've had, and we've talked about it before, that people have got to get their, their, their terminology correct if they're going to debate this, this thing. Because Title 42, yeah. it's, it, you know, it, it's really about, are we going to shut down what has always been a legal process? Are we going to say indefinitely that, no, we're just not, that's not going to happen anymore. And that's a debate that we can have, but at least let's, let's be clear about what's going on. Um, so I think, I think we're going to wrap things up there. Um, I hope everybody's doing well and, uh, we appreciate y'all listening and, uh, we'll be back with you next week. Take care.